Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to the Modern Homesteading Podcast. We have allowed ourselves to become so disconnected and ignorant about something that is as intimate as the food that we eat. Be prepared to grow your own for victory. God said I need somebody strong enough to clear trees and heave bales, yet gentle enough to yean lambs and wean pigs and tend the pink foamed pullets who will stop his mower for an hour to splint the broken leg of a meadowlark. So God made a farmer. Hello and welcome back to the Modern Homesteading Podcast. I'm your host, Harold Thornbrough, and I'm really glad you're back with me again this week. And today, we are going to talk about how to homestead when you don't have time to homestead. It's a question I get all the time, and I think it's one of the biggest hurdles that uh, some people face when it comes to homesteading. It's time. They don't have enough of it to spare. Uh, they don't, they're not really sure how much time it's going to take. They're not really sure how to, to manage that time on a homestead. And uh, on today's podcast, we're going to discuss a few of those ways that you can uh, save some time on the homestead, manage your time better, and uh, do more on your homestead. I think the reason I get this question quite a bit is because the people I know and that know me uh, know what I do for a living. I I work a full-time job. I work I put in a lot of hours at my full-time job. I work anywhere from 55 to 70 hours a week driving a truck. Now, I do come home every night, uh, but uh, I have some pretty long days. I get up early, and, and I sometimes I, I don't uh, get home till pretty late in the evening. And uh, people think there's no way I could have possibly have enough time to do all the things I do. I have a garden, uh, raise livestock. Um, I do this podcast every week. I write a blog. Stay pretty active. You know, I always got something going on. And people are like, how do you have enough time to do all that stuff? And then, you know, on the side of that, we're canning and we're, we're blanching and freezing. And we're and I do hunting, you know, for and foraging and things like that to supplement the homestead. And it just blows people's minds um, that we have enough time to do those things. And my wife works full time as well. And, you know, so we're really busy people. But we're not as busy as you think we are. I mean, we still find time to watch a little TV through the week and, and, and go out and, and hang out together and do some things. And, and we still find some time, believe it or not. And it ain't as if I'm not sleeping. I mean, I get six and a half, seven hours sleep a night. I, I really do. I don't cut my sleep too short. I uh, Now, I don't sleep late. I get up really early. Even on the weekends, I'm up really early. But we, I find the time, and we've, we've managed out and, and built a system around here that works. Uh, do I wish I had more time to put into my homestead? Absolutely, I do. Um, but at, at the moment, this is the time I have. And we are able to produce a lot of our food, a lot of what we consume. I would, I would say over half of the food that we consume, we attain through homesteading. And when I, why I say it like that is because it's not all grown or raised here on the property. There's through hunting and foraging and, and things like that. Um, so, you know, 
yeah, I have a handle on this a little bit. I understand what it takes to homestead, and I understand what you can do, and I also understand the limitations uh, that I have, and it's important to know that as well. So let's just let's just jump right into it, and let's talk about a few of the ways you can homestead when you really don't have enough time to homestead. And I think one of the key things you can do is plant things with high output and low input. And what I mean by that is, first of all, maybe fruit trees. Even an urban homestead usually has room for a couple of fruit trees. And if you have a larger homestead, I say plant an abundance of fruit trees because, uh, you know, planting fruit trees takes a little bit of work in the beginning until they get established. And you have to do a lot of, you have to, you know, make sure they're getting enough water and things like that. But in the long run, they're going to provide you with years of large harvest with very little work. You just have to put down some occasional organic fertilizer um, and once or twice a year prune. Uh, that's all it takes to maintain your fruit trees and then to harvest. And uh, you can get quite a bit of fruit, uh, quite a bit of food from fruit trees. And I think it's one of probably the best things you can, the best input into your homestead you can have. Uh, another one is berry bushes. Having a lot of berry bushes on your homestead is, a, is an excellent idea for high yields with very little work. You plant them once, and just like fruit trees, berry bushes only require a little occasional soil amendment and pruning, and you're enjoying years of delicious food. Um, I wrote an article a while back. It's called How to Build a Berry Abundant Homestead, and I'll put a link to that in the show notes. You should read that. There's just a, uh, I talk all about the, some of the different kinds of berries uh, that you can grow on your homestead, the benefits of them, uh, practices for growing them. You know, and I just talk about the different kinds of ber- berries. I mean, here on my homestead, we have blackberry, raspberry, blueberry, and we also forage for a lot of other berries. Um, you know, I was going to say melt mulberry, but I guess that's a tree. <laughs> we, that's a fruit, actually. Uh, um, but we will go out and forage for elderberry and uh, and get a lot that way. So you can you can get a lot of food from some uh, berry bushes and another thing you can do uh, another high output low input way to grow things is through edible perennial plants Uh, planting a garden with uh, a lot of perennial plants can save you a lot of time especially in the spring when it's time to plant Um, perennials like asparagus and jerusalem artichoke and there's a lot of herbs you can grow uh, and they'll provide you with years of food with just a little upfront work to get them going i mean Jerusalem artichokes this this big uh, prepper food. I mean, because it, it's it's one that it just puts out an abundance of food and it spreads like crazy. Uh, I would tell you with anything like that though, it almost has a bamboo like quality to it. It'll 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 spread and grow and you'll dig up. Uh, of course, I don't ever consider anything that's food a bad thing when it's spreading around like that. But you want to you want to seclude an area for it because it kind of takes over and they're big plants. And um, they're going to take up a little bit of room. But, again, you plant them once and you got years of food. Uh, and a lot of it, too. So, it's something you can do. Now, also growing things like um, garlic and, and things like that. I mean, there are some garlics that will uh, spread and grow. And you can almost never get rid of it once you establish it. Uh, so, there's a lot of foods like that. So, do your homework. Find some good perennials that spread and grow underneath the ground through, like, rhizomes. Uh, that would be a, a great benefit to your homestead. Uh, you also want to use some time-saving gardening methods. Uh, mulch is a big one. 
Um, use mulch in the garden to fight weeds. You just don't use it in your paths. You use it right in the garden. You can use a heavy mulch layer uh, right in the garden to help suppress the weeds. And that's going to save you a lot of time when it comes to those unpleasant uh, hours you're going to spend hunched over a garden yanking out all those unwanted uh, weeds in your garden. So, uh, yeah, put some mulch down, a heavy layer of mulch around in, in your garden rows and around your plants to, you know, pull them back away from the plants a little bit so it don't smother them or, you know, it's, there's water getting around them and stuff. But it's a great a great addition to your garden to save you a lot of time. Uh, I used to not do that, and I used to spend a lot of time pulling weeds, but I'm a heavy mulcher now. Also, uh, mulch helps to retain moisture in the soil. So, as you know, watering can be a really time-consuming chore. So, anything you can do to, to help maintain the moisture in your soil, it possibly will save you a lot of time, depending on where you live, more time, if you live in a, in a climate where you don't get a lot of rain. Companion planting for bug control. This is a big one, and people don't think about this one enough. Intertwining good companion plants within your garden, it's a really good practice. Not only can it help with the pollination and the soil health, which are big bonuses, but I think the biggest benefit is that you can take advantage of the bug-repelling qualities of some plants. There's a lot of them out there. Basil's one you can work in there. I like to work it around my uh, tomato plants anyway. It kind of helps the flavor, and it's a it's a great one for repelling some bugs. Also, uh, even some flowers like marigolds uh, help to uh, repel aphids and bean beetles and and things like that that can harm your plants. So just figure out some uh, great plants in your area that would grow well in your area in your garden. And I'm not saying you have to put it right in the garden. Sometimes you can put it in a pot right beside a garden. Or, you know, there's some herbs that you may not want in your garden because they will, uh, they're slightly invasive and you wouldn't want to plant them right in the garden bed. But you can put them in a pot uh, close to the garden and it'll help repel some insects. Uh, So using companion planting for bug control is a great idea for your garden. Also, another great garden practice uh, you can do is uh, beneficial insects. Release beneficial insects in your garden. Praying mantises, ladybugs. These can save you a lot of work because uh, they'll do a lot of work for you. They'll feed on unwanted uh, those, those unwanted garden damaging pests like aphids, and uh, they're going to send you save you a lot of work later. It's a lot of work to go out there with a with a water bottle and uh, with some soap in it, soapy water in it, and wipe all your leaves off and get rid of aphids. And if you can put some bugs to work in your garden, doing that for you, you're all the better. <laughs> all the better for it so um, i'll put a couple links in the show notes where you can actually purchase uh, praying mantis eggs and ladybugs uh, for your garden and then i really suggest that it can save you a lot of work for anybody really any garden uh, whether you've got time or not it's just a great addition to your garden the next thing you can do is replace time-consuming tasks with automation for example irrigation Automatic irrigation, depending on where you live, could be the most important time-saving option available because, well, gardens need water. And if it's not coming from the sky, then you're going to have to do it regularly. And this can be pretty time-consuming. So automatic irrigation systems, like a drip irrigation system, uh, well, they take a little bit of money and a little bit of work up front, but they can save you many hours of tedious labor throughout the growing season this is one i don't have believe it or not i go out when i don't we live in a 
pretty good climate here that gets a, gets quite a bit of rain. But we have dry spells for two, three weeks at a time where I'll have to go out there a few times and water the garden. And, uh, you know, my garden's not so big to where it, it's too bad. I mean, I can, I can do all of my watering probably in a half an hour, 45 minutes, trees, uh, the garden, anything else, you know, plants and pots, whatever. And it's not that bad. But, you know, a little bit more and you might be in trouble. So uh, it depends on what kind of time you have. I don't really mind going out there in the evening. I can do it in the dark if I have to. But it's one of them things, depending on where you live, could be crucial. So uh, look into an automatic irrigation system. I'll put a link in the show notes where you can look at a few options on that. How about timers for lights? You know, sometimes you just need a light on, right? Uh, Maybe you're doing some indoor grow beds. Uh, Maybe you have a greenhouse. You need a little extra light in there uh, to extend your growing time. Maybe you have some chickens in a coop. And you're trying, and it's getting late season and winter, and you're trying to, you're trying to uh, up the egg production in the winter time. You might want a light to come on at a certain time and go off at a certain time. So you wanna, you wanna install some timers for your lights. Um, there's one called the Urban Farmer Weekly Seven Day Programmable Dual Outlet Digital Timer. I'll put a link to that in the show notes. I think it's also going to end up being my recommended item of the week this week. A great little tool to have if you need a light on at a certain time it's programmable and it's real easy to use and you just plug into it whatever you want to come on and it'll come on at the times you have scheduled and go off at the times you have scheduled i think this is a this is a big one and not because it's a big labor-saving device i mean how hard is it to walk out and flip on a light and then walk out and flip off a light well it ain't hard but it's one more thing, right? It's just one more thing. And enough one more things, they add up to be a bunch of things. So any little thing you can you can automate will help and save you some time. Automatic coop door openers and closers. Uh, you know, coop doors, they have to be opened in the morning. And they have to be closed at night. That's just the way it is. And it's an easy job. But it's an easy job to replace also with some automation. And again, it's just one more thing you don't have to do. I'll put a link in the show notes to some automatic coop door openers. And uh, yeah, you just set a timer and they open up at a certain time. Set a timer in the evening and they close at a certain time. Chickens will go into roost when it gets dark. So you you know, you know might have to run out there. And with all this stuff, I, anything autom- automated, I, I'm, I'm the kind of guy that doesn't trust things all that much. But it's a lot quicker to take a quick stroll around your garden, a quick stroll through the through the barn, coop, coop house, whatever, your pens, and take a look to, just to make sure everything's working, make sure all the chickens are in, make sure nothing's leaking on the irrigation system, uh, whatever. You know, check. You want to double check these things, but it still saves you some time. How about feeding and watering livestock in bulk or automatically? It's one of them. It's one of them jobs that just has to be done every day, and it's pretty time-consuming. But you can set up automatic waters and automatic feeders, and they can save you a bunch of work. They can be set up for small livestock like rabbits or chickens. They can be set up for large livestock like cows or hogs or whatever. And a lot of these systems even have the built-in thermostats uh, with heaters to keep your water thawed in the um, winter time. So they're a real good addition. I remember. Uh, couple years ago we were raising rabbits and we just had the standard water bottles and a few years ago his first year uh raising rabbits and i just didn't think 
I, I didn't really think about how fast those water bottles would freeze up. I and mean, I live in Indiana. It gets really cold here in the wintertime. And we were running out there. You know, we were trying to make time. My wife was coming home and changing the water bottles. When she'd get home before me, I'd have to change out the water bottles three or four times a day. We was having to, to change out water bottles and thaw them, thaw them out. And then we finally said, what are we doing? Let's go get some heated water bottles. <laughs> so we invested in some heated water bottles. And we never regretted that. So, you know, having things like that can really pay off. So, yeah, you'll want to automate everything you can. There's other things you can automate. I'm just listing a few things that I'm thinking of here. Now, there's going to be those big jobs. Those big jobs that you just can't squeeze in through the week when you're working. Say most people work five days a week. Some people work six. Some people work seven. I generally work five. Occasionally, I work six. But there's just some things I can't get to on those days. I mean, there's bigger jobs. There's times you have to clean out the pens. There's times, you know, you have to do things that just take more time. Well, you want to schedule those big jobs on your days off. Um, I find canning to be a, a pretty time-consuming homestead task. So I try to have canning days on the weekend where about once every couple weeks, I mean, I'll just be gathering up some food. And you can't let it set around too long. It's going to go bad. So you want to get as close to that time as you can. You want to just within a, you know, a few days have some, some produce piling up or whatever you got and just get crazy with it. And I've spent a whole day doing canning before, cutting and dicing and heating and, and canning. And you're doing all the things you need to do in one day and you get it all done. Now, to be sure, you're going to have one heck of a, of a mess in the kitchen when you're done. But you're going to have that mess doing it in little batches as well. And you're just going to have a lot more messes. So I just try to schedule one day every couple weeks and we have a big canning day where we just spend, you know, six, seven, eight hours even in the kitchen just canning stuff. And we get a lot done that way. But it has a big payoff when you're done. You have a lot to show for your work and it's something you can do. Cleaning out the coops and the cages and the pens. I mean, that's a big job. It takes a little bit of time. It's dirty. It's nasty. It's hot. And you're going to spend a little bit of time doing it. Schedule that on your days off. Those are things that, that are not time sensitive. It's not something you have to do every day. Try to pick a day in the week and do that and get it, get it done. They can be scheduled in. How about just in the spring? One of my biggest things is getting the planting done. Uh, it's a big job. It takes a whole weekend or maybe a couple weekends, but I get it done that way. I just do that on my days off. I don't try to squeeze that in on the late evenings. Might do a little soil prep, getting things ready for it through the week. But then when the weekend comes, just get after it. You start doing all your planting and, and getting everything put up and ready for ready for uh, a new garden season. And building projects. You know, I'm a builder. I love to take on new projects. I'm continually adding things to the homestead that I'm building. But big projects can take big time, right? So I find I am mostly a weekend builder. <laughs> I use my days off of work to uh, to do those bigger building projects. So you want to try to work in those bigger projects that aren't pressing, that aren't everyday things that have to be done. Do them on your days off. It's what I do, and, and it's really the only option you have when it comes to that. Another thing I think people just, when they think about homesteading, they think about self-sufficiency. They think about doing it on their own. Well, that's not necessarily what self-sufficiency is all about. There is community in homesteading, and we need to take advantage of community. You know, don't be afraid to ask a neighbor for some help. Get some help when you need help. There's no shame in that and getting a little help. I find my neighbors are always willing to help me out if I need to borrow them for a few minutes, if I need a hand with, you know, something big or something. It's not a big deal. Get a little help. 
you don't have to be all independent on everything all the time. And sometimes it really it really speeds up the process. You might be able to do it yourself, but just knocking on the neighbor's door and say, hey, can you come help me with something real quick? It shouldn't just take a little bit. Most neighbors will, will be there for you if they can and uh, save you a lot of time, save you a lot of uh, backbreaking work. You know, I find the neighborhood kids make great helpers. Recruiting some local kids to lend a hand with the smaller chores, it's a helpful idea. They're usually affordable, for one thing, and they get a little homestead education as well. You might hire a neighborhood kid, a you know, 12, 13, 14-year-old neighborhood kid, say, hey, can you feed my animals for the next few days? I'm going to be real busy. Uh, do a little watering. Um, pull some weeds in my garden. And be careful with that one. They may not know what a weed is. You might have to show them a few things. Uh, but yeah, recruit them and, and pay them a little bit and uh, introduce them to, to homesteading. Uh, they'll enjoy it. You'll get out of a little bit of work and uh, it won't cost you much, more than likely. And you know what? There's just sometimes, there's just sometimes you have to pay a professional. It's okay. We know you can do it. We know you can do it yourself. You just don't have to all the time. Uh, go ahead from time to time and pay someone to do the job you just can't get to. It's okay. Like I said, self-sufficiency isn't necessarily about doing everything yourself. It's about taking advantages of things you can get done yourself. You can get it done. You don't have to do it. You can get help. You can pay for that help. You can ask for help. You know what? There's other homesteaders in your community that would probably be uh, happy to help. I, I often think about like the Amish doing barn, barn raisings together. You know, they come together, these big jobs, and they all pitch in, and the women will make the lunch and get everything ready and, and hand things to the men. The men will jump up there and I'll start raising the barns. And you just see this, uh, this sense of community. And there's really no reason it can't be like that with the homesteading community as well. Build a community of homesteaders in your area and take advantage of that. Get some help. Help one another. Yeah, it takes time. Friendships take time. Relationships and community takes a little bit of time. But in the long run, it can actually save you some time if you build a community that can help one another. So take advantage of that. And, and the last thing I want to talk about is in this is just don't take on too much. You know, being a homesteader isn't about doing everything. It's about doing what you can. It's okay. We often just try to take on way too much. Listen, if having livestock is, is too much right now, it's okay. I cut back on livestock at one point. I was just found myself just swamped with things to do. And I got rid of some things and thought, you know what? We're going to take, take a season off of this uh, and then get, work on some other things and get it better. It's okay. No one's going to take away your I'm a homesteader membership card. <laughs> do what you can to be as self-sufficient as you can in the time you have. And just work towards making time available in the future it's okay it'll be all right no one's gonna hate you for it no one's gonna uh, give you a hard time about it you're still doing more than than most people are doing if all you do is have a small garden in your backyard and and you maybe do canning a few times a year of those vegetables to put them up for the year you know what you're doing more than most people are doing do what you can in the time you have right now and in the future you'll have more time if you work towards it, if you try to make more time. And you know, the fact is, a lot of us have time. We just don't use well. I do spend a few hours a week watching TV. You know, I could kill that time. There, there's time. I, there's times I just sit around and do a little bit of nothing and just relax. And, that, and you need those times as well. It's good to relax. It's good to just, just chill out, disengage your brain, watch a movie or something, chill out, 
and relax. It's good for you occasionally. But occasionally is not where most people land. Uh, most people are watching way too much TV. They're spending way too much time on leisure activity. And they could be dedicating that time to homestead work if they want to. And it's just a matter of uh, prioritizing what you're going to do. It really is. Uh, what do you want? How bad do you want it? If you want it bad enough and you really want to do it, you're going to find some time to do what you can. You ain't going to be able to do everything. It's a fact. If you're working a full-time job, you're not going to be able to run a 100% self-sufficient homestead. You're not going to be able to do it. But you can do a lot. You can do a lot. So I would encourage you to go out there, do what you can with as much time as you can manage to, to do it in. I hope this episode's given you a few good ideas, and there's others. There's things you could brainstorm on this. You could think about some other things that might save you some time. You could set up some systems around your property that would, would really benefit you and make it so you can do something. And I just hope you'll work towards that. I want to see, I want to see everybody I know, everybody who listens to this podcast, accomplishing this. And I tell you what, uh, there's help out there. You want to talk about things or get ideas, you know, you can drop me an email anytime. I'll, I'll, I'll chat with you. You can join our uh, Facebook group for this podcast, the Homestead Front Porch. There are there are some super helpful people in that group. I have been amazed at the, the sense of community that's already happening in that group. We've only had that group for a few weeks. I think we're pushing, I don't know, over 500 people in that group right now. And they're some of the most helpful people I've ever seen. I found I don't even have to jump in there and answer questions like I was in the beginning. People are answering each other's questions. They're helping one another. People are asking questions, and there's no judgment on that. People are really forming a sense of community in that group. So I would encourage you to uh, search in Facebook for the Homestead Front Porch Facebook group and uh, ask to join. That's all you have to do to to join is ask, and we'll get you in there. Or you can just go to smalltownhomestead.com, and uh, there at the bottom of the the home screen, you'll see a, a, a banner and a link for it. Just click on it, and it'll take you there and ask to join, and we'll get you in there. And uh, you won't regret it. There's a there's a lot of uh, great people in there. But if you do join, just introduce yourself and tell us a little bit what your uh, what your homestead's like or what you're aspiring to do in homesteading, and uh, let us know you're in there and uh, you know form some friendships and form some community. We'd be happy to have you. Hey, I really appreciate those of you also who have uh, left reviews. We've had a couple reviews in the last couple weeks on iTunes. And I really appreciate that. It means a lot. It means a lot uh, to me and my wife and at our homestead here. We're trying to uh, we're trying to encourage others to homestead. And uh, when you leave reviews and ratings and iTunes, it helps our rating there, and uh, it helps more people to find that podcast. So we really appreciate you going and leaving uh, ratings and reviews. Um, there's a link at the bottom of these episodes in the show notes. Uh, on how to leave an iTunes review if you've never left one and you would like to and you don't know how click on that link and there are some step-by-step instructions there on how to leave a uh, iTunes review so I'd appreciate it if you would do that and uh, hey, it's really been great being with you again this week I know this was a little bit shorter episode than normal <laughs> maybe it's because I don't have enough time to do a long episode I don't know maybe I need to work on that a little bit uh, prioritize right uh, anyway I hope to hear from you in the Facebook group uh, or uh, see maybe leave a comment in the show notes on the website or wherever you can contact us. We're always happy to hear from you. And until next week, happy homesteading. God bless. Thanks for listening. 
To see the show notes for this podcast or listen to other podcast episodes, go to smalltownhomestead.com. There you can also read our blog, connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and Google+, and take advantage of the many resources we make available to help you along in your homesteading journey. Please share this podcast and help us to carry out our mission of helping others to homestead today for a better tomorrow.